You're listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast with Allie, a fiery realtor queen, and Samantha, a gypsy wandering her way through life while navigating being a rock star woman with ADHD. Both are former teen moms of two who have faced challenging adversities. They're here to break stereotypes, get real with you about the messiness of life, and remind you that we're all just a little twisted. Hi, you guys. I hate introductions, by the way. <laughs> it's like, what do you say? Like, howdy, hola, aloha. I don't know. Maybe I'll just start doing different ones every time I come on here. But as we hit mid-November this week, we have been reflecting on that we are almost to our one-year mark in February. And wow, so many, so many different emotions with this. This has been quite the journey with you all, and we cannot thank you enough for the support you have all shown us. It makes our day every time we get a message from you saying, hey, I did this, and I listened to this, and I love you guys, and I implemented this, and it just, it makes us love what we do and to keep continuing to give you more content. So, As we lean into episode 33, we have the absolute pleasure to introduce Alice Daly. Back in September, I went to a women's conference. I honestly wasn't too excited about it, but I wanted to show support to the women who were putting it on. And the guest speaker was Alice, and she was flying in from Austin. And she was a very well-known realtor who ran a team in Baltimore, Maryland. And I was like, what is she doing in Austin? I thought she ran a team in Maryland. And so I was kind of like, hmm, all right. So she had hit burnout and decided to write a book called The Magic Mom, Five Principles to Unlock Your Natural Gifts to Raise Entrepreneurial Daughters. And I thought, what the heck am I going to, a boy mom, going to take away from this? And just... Can you just get up there and tell me how to build my team better and sell more houses? Because at some point when I retire, I would like to move down to Florida and I want to know how to run a team up in Minnesota and still be there for my clients. So can you tell me about that? But boy, oh boy, was I wrong. (laughs) By the end of her speech, I was in tears and I am not a crier, you guys. It takes a lot for me. And I went home that Friday and I pre-ordered her book. So this amazing parenting guide is totally disguised as a parenting guide, but it is actually a self-help book for all the mamas out there, boys or girls. And even if your kiddos have left the cocoon, the house, this book is still for you. So Alice is spectacular and we can't wait for you to listen in and have so many takeaways from this episode. So hello and welcome to the Twisted Sisters. Um, We are here today with somebody who... I went to a women's retreat conference and she was the speaker at, and I related to her in a way that I didn't think I was going to relate to her. Um, She's a mother of four. She is in real estate. So I knew that we would relate that way. Um, She's a a coach, an entrepreneur, and now a best-selling author. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. And she wrote The Magic Mom 
five principles to unlock your natural gifts to raise entrepreneurial daughters. And before we dive in, I want to read this quote so that this can kind of set the tone for what we're going to discuss today. Mothers have martyred themselves in their children's names since the beginning of time. We have lived as if she who disappears the most loves the most. We have been conditioned to prove our love by slowly ceasing to exist. Our daughters will believe they have permission to live only as fully as their mothers allowed themselves to live. When we call martyrdom love, we teach our children that when love begins, life ends. This is why Young suggested there is no greater burden on a child than the unlived life of a parent. Ooh, that's a good one. Hi, Alice. And that like gives Hi. me goosebumps. Oh, oh wow. I get chills every time oh, I Oh, God, that it. hits. That hits hard. Right? In all the good ways, but woof. So all the best ways. Dive in, Alice, and kind of tell us your story and your burnout and just what made you decide to move forward with writing this amazing book. All I want to say is like, go girl, go. Like I'm so excited. <laughs> I love it. Oh my excited. gosh. I love you too so much. I just know already we like haven't even started Whoa. and we could go like all freaking day. Exactly. Where's the wine? <laughs> oh, let's do it. It's five o'clock somewhere. Um, my gosh. So I started selling real estate in 2005 in a new market, uh, was new to real estate, was new to the area, knew my husband, and I knew we wanted to build a business just for the freedom that it would provide. And, um, we just loved people. And so built this really great business and built it one relationship at a time. And, um, we were living in Baltimore at the time. And, you know, I, I was pregnant with our second daughter when we started in real estate, um, my husband joined me actually three years in and, um, our personalities are so different where, you know, I was just like, I just want to shake hands and kiss babies. And he like systems and models and he came in like a structure. And so together we were able to build this really cool thing. And we opened, um, we opened an office and it was really crazy. So in 2015, when we're like, yeah, you know, he's like, let's open this office. So he opens the office and inside it was like, I knew like, gosh, I wish the season could end because I'm tired and I don't want to do this anymore. And it was at the peak, you know, we're selling like 200 houses a year where, you know, average agent is selling six in a year and we're bringing in agents to our company. And on the inside, like there was this inside voice that I kind of knew looking back, I probably should have listened to. And I thought, well, it's okay, Alice, just keep going, just keep powering through and you'll figure out what the next thing is as you're powering through. And so I did some cool things. Like I got invited by a client to climb Kilimanjaro. I climbed Kilimanjaro with 14 women and we raised money for women that were affected by violence and war zones. And so I did that. And then I thought, well, maybe I'll like, I just tried trying like random things in addition to selling real estate. Cause I'm like, maybe along one of these paths, I'll find something else that I want to do and be able to make this like graceful transition. Well, fast forward to 2018, the fall, I walked into my office one day and I had a glass door in my office and I sat down at my office. We had just come back from a week vacation in Costa Rica. I sat down at my desk and the tears wouldn't stop coming. And I'm not a crier. So this was like super highly unusual. 
And I'm <laughs> I like, can relate. what is happening? Like the tears wouldn't stop. Here's my glass door. I'm like, I hope nobody walks by. I can't stop the tears. I don't know what to do. I don't know what's happening. So I pick up the phone and call a friend. I'm like, Belinda, like, I don't know what's happening right now, but like, I hate my life. I can't do this anymore. I don't want to talk to a client. I don't want to see anybody. I, I ended up picking up all my stuff and just going home and not telling anybody. My husband was in the office next door. I didn't even tell him. I just went home. That was the last day I went into the office for a really like months. Because if we don't stop to reflect on what, you know, to, for what's going on and like to tend to ourselves, life will stop us and it won't be pretty. Yeah. Yes. It was so painful and ugly. And I literally felt like, you know, like sit in the rocking chair, like in front of Cracker Barrel, like I'm just going to sit there and rock all day long. Like I, that was me. It wasn't like I had like purpose or knew what I was doing. I just knew that I, the life, I knew it, the, the way that I knew it wasn't working. And my husband asked me, he's like, are you sick of Baltimore? Are you sick of the work you're doing or of the marriage? And my answer was yes. All of it. I just didn't think I was going to wake up at 40 something and this was going to be my life. Right. I didn't like it. I didn't. And, and then when you come to that realization, what the heck do you do? Right. Because you've built your real estate business and we don't leave as realtors because it's keeps us there. Right. Graphically. Yeah. Right. Our clients, we even trademarked the, the um, slogan, live where you love. And so we have these t-shirts made <laughs> and our clients will be wearing these t-shirts, live where you love. And I would like <laughs> the t-shirts and I would like, I would start to like internally be like, I don't, I don't live where I love. Right. And it wasn't yeah. even a statement about the city. It wasn't my house. It wasn't, I just knew my environment wasn't working for me. And I felt even guilty saying it because we have the nice house and the cars and kids are in private schools and we're going on nice vacations. It was like, Alice, who are you to like complain about anything? You're supposed to be grateful. Right. I was grateful. Yet how do you hold gratitude yet? honor if there's it, discontent just internal happiness like yourself yeah how do you do that like what in the world like because then you like the the guilt and the judgment that I placed on myself I didn't need any help from anybody else I was doing right. a really good job like shaming myself for not being not being more grateful well and to I, I feel sorry hang on a second my I feel like it's hard when you are feeling a certain way and when you're used to just being 100% authentically you and that's just who you are and how you've been this whole time. And then all of a sudden, you don't have that connection anymore. Yeah. You feel false. Like you feel like you're coming in and you're putting on a front and it's like, this doesn't feel authentic and it feels and yucky. Gradually then suddenly, because it wasn't like, it didn't feel like, oh, well, I, 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 I can, I can see this happening in real time. It's you see it in the rear view mirror where you're like, I'm, I'm not living an authentic aligned life with my values and the things that are true for me today. Like five years ago, all of those things were true. And like, but gradually somewhere things I shifted and I wasn't present to my own life to even know that. And 
one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, like, that I really gravitate to is just like busy was a way that I behaved so that I didn't have to feel. Oh, that's good. I just avoided feeling and, and we work in an industry and I bet there are a ton of industries like this, but obviously real estate's the world that I know I got rewarded for being busy. Yeah, you do. Right. The more appointments I went on, the more clients I helped, the more awards I got, the more stages I got to speak on. The more validation you get. The more validation. And it's like, doo, 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 doo. it's just the snowball. It's like when you lose weight and people are like, you look so good. And then you, and it's like that you keep doing it because you think, oh, you're getting that validation. It's not healthy, but. Right. But then you talk good. to all the people at the top, right? And half of them don't even want to be at the top when they get to the top because it wasn't what they expected to. Right. Right. We, we're modeling ourselves after people that don't even want to be them. Yeah. So true. <laughs> Well, and I think too, it's just key to think like, what are we working towards? What, what's our, you know, what's what, success? when am I going to be happy? When is it going to be enough? And am I okay with that? Yeah. yeah. So what led you to go on? Do you feel like when you went on that trip to Costa Rica and you had to slow down and you had to settle down and do that, do you think that was like a triggering moment in your nervous system and yourself where all of a sudden it just you couldn't anymore. Like you had to stop. I think that's exactly what happened. I was away with my family and I was like, I'm not even, this was what I was looking forward to the vacation. And I get to the vacation and I'm not even fully enjoying myself there. Yeah. How is that possible? Right. How can I be in this beautiful environment with the people that I love the most and so unhappy and so disconnected from myself. How did I get to this place? One, two, how the heck do I get out? Right. I don't, I don't like this. This feels awful. And I think for a lot of us, we're, we're sleepwalking through life. We're just going through the motions. It's like you go to kindergarten, you go through school, you graduate from high school. And then there's like five events that happen for all of us in some order or another. For some, it's college, but there's some version of get a job, buy a house, get in a relationship, get married, have kids. And then what? Right. Right. You did all the things right. I did all the things right. Now my life should be fantastic. Right. But that's when the societal script runs out. No, there's nobody to tell us what's next. So what do you do? Right? right. Like some people will just, okay, we'll raise the kids. And that's when you see divorce happen. Yeah. Cause I, well, I, I, I played the script. Perfect. I read the script perfectly. I raised my kids. Oh, right. I forgot about my partner over here. So we're going to go our separate ways, but then we re we rewind the script. We go back and like, okay, new relationship, maybe another kid, maybe, you know, maybe some people go through that route. Some people get to the end and then they're like, they just keep sleepwalking. They are living with the same partner, but not a life, same yeah. job. I'm just going to keep doing this until I'm 65 and retired and then I'll and enjoy my life. Right. And especially working with your spouse hand in hand, like, where do you cut that line off of like, we can't talk business. We can't talk about our kids. Let's talk about what's next for us in our life. So I think the key there is, okay, when are we going to decide to pick up the pen and start writing our own script? Yeah. 
That's good. But who teaches us how to write our own script? Nobody. (laughs) No, no, nobody. (laughs) Right. We don't even talk about the fact that we have the power to write our own script. Well, and I think exactly. I think so many times people, you find people and they want to write you their script. And that's hard too, because you see these people in these places and you're like, oh, I want to be like that. Or I like how they're doing that. And then they're teaching you, but they're teaching you their script. And still we are not being a hundred percent authentic to what works for us. And we don't even know how to, because we've never been taught. Like, You've just been taught, like, this is what you need to do. Everybody follows this. And we are not all the same. Not Until even you close. hit a midlife crisis and then realize it's not a midlife crisis. It's an awakening. It's an awakening. And yeah. what was modeled for us, right? Like, so think back to even perhaps your mom or a mother figure in your life. And as a parent, I think the number one thing that I hear, and, and let me know if you've heard the same is, you know, hey, what do you want for your kids? Well, I just want them to be happy, happy, right? We want, we want our kids to be happy. What did your, like, if you look at your mom or your mother figures, did they model being happy for you? Like when you look at them, you're like, man, they lived a really happy, joy-filled life. No, no, not what I saw. Yeah. I saw martyrdom. I saw putting them, putting themselves last. Putting a mask on. Yeah. We're going to fake it. It's all going to be fine. Yeah. But yet you're telling me to be happy and somehow I'm going to know how to do that. Right. Ooh, girl, (laughs) it's good. It's so So true. Are we modeling for our own kids? How is this going to be different? How are we going to stop this? Yeah. Of a cycle. Right. So if I want my kids to be happy, that actually goes back to that young quote of, the greatest burden I can put on my daughter, the greatest burden I can put on my child is an unlived life. So then I have to get introspective and say, okay, Alice, what does it mean for me to live a full life? Because mm. that's the key to my kid being happy. Yeah. That, so that's you do? What did you do? What did you find for yourself? Well, yeah. So that's, so when I get invited in 2015 by a client and says, Hey, will you come climb Kilimanjaro with me? Okay. First, like (laughs) your listeners listeners don't know me very well yet. So for me, camping is the holiday in. I don't like to camp. I don't like bugs. I'm allergic to every tree and everything that's green and grows outside. Like I want to go to the Ritz. I want to go to the four seasons. I want to spa like weekend. Yeah. That's me. So the whole outdoorsy thing, because there's some women listening like, oh, that sounds awesome. I want to go climb Kilimanjaro. Uh-uh. No. Not me. Not me That's at us all. two right here. She's like you. I'm like, let's go climb. Mm-hmm. I would uh-uh. be the one asking her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So my friends asked me, and the goal, the, the purpose in doing it was to raise money for women affected by violence and war zones. So Sudan, Syria, Congo. Um and I'm like, okay, well, that's a mission I could get behind raising money for women affected by violence by war zones. And there was a, it was all going to be all women to climb ages 22 to 65. And I went, the reason I wanted to say yes was because I needed friends. I needed community. And I didn't have, a, I, at the time I was like, I didn't have the, the group of friends that I wanted. So I'm like, you know what? 
I'm willing to risk being uncomfortable for new friends that would also want to do something like this. So I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I like the kind of person I would have to become in order to achieve that goal. Because when she asked me, I was not in the physical shape. I was not in the emotional state. I was not the kind of person that should be climbing anything, <laughs> but I liked who I would have to become in order to achieve it. Right. And even bigger than that, I loved what my kids would have to see me do. Ooh, stepping out of your comfort zone. Because and I love in your book too, when you talk about telling your daughter. So if you could go into that too, about what happened. Yeah. So I, I, I knew that I wanted them to say yes to an opportunity like that, if that it ever presented itself, itself, but they won't say yes to it unless they see mom doing it. I wanted them to see mom at 40. If my mom at 40 can like take a couple weeks and go across the world and go climb a mountain, like what could be possible for them? I want them to remember that when they're 40. Um, so we go on this, we go on this trip. We, um, Oh, even, even before that, when I told my kids about the trip, I remember one of my daughters like crying because she knew the cost for her to say, yeah, mom, I think you should go would be mom's going to be gone for 16, 16 or 18 days. Okay. When you're like 10, that might as well be like three years. Like that's right. yeah. time for a little girl. Right. So she's crying and she's like, mom, but like, that's a long time. Um, but you you said yes, didn't you? You have to say yes. Those women need you to say yes. Oh. So for me, that was like, oh my gosh, we've like the values that they have to know, like, this is going to cost me and yet I'm going to support you. Like what, what if all of us as, as grown women supported each other that way, this is going to cost me, but I want to support you. Mm. So we go on this climb and, um, it's that we did the six day climb. There's a lot of different ways you could do it. We did a six day version and quite frankly, first five days are getting to summit night and summit night is when you do kind of that hardest part. Like when you see a picture of Kilimanjaro, like, like most of that is all done in one day and you start at 1130 at night. And the whole purpose is you start at 1130 at night so that you get up there for sunrise you see the sunrise, you're up there for 15 minutes and you come back down. You're not there long because 19,000 plus feet, your body can't sustain it. Mm. So you go up, you take a look, take your pictures, head back down. And what drove me, the, the image in my mind that I had was, I want a picture at the top with me and my 14 new friends. I can't wait. I'm going to frame this picture. I can't wait. So we get started at 1130 at night. And the pace is torturously slow, but it's because the elevation is so high. You can't go fast. And it is just switchback after switchback after switchback. All you can see with your little headlamp are the boots of the person in front of you, really nothing else. And you are just focused on breathing and taking the next step. And somewhere along the way, my backpack got, it, it just started to hurt my shoulder, like in a painful way. I'm like, I can't go six hours like this. So I stopped with my guide. He readjusted it. It happened several times to the point where they were like, the rest of the group's going to keep going. You and your guide, like your guys are going to work it out. Cause I had my oxygen tank in my, in my backpack. Um, but there was something, my left shoulder just had never bothered me before. 
but was giving me all kinds of trouble. So it was like, no big deal. You guys keep going. We're going to catch up. Until it got to the point where I realized it was always good because I could see their little lights ahead of me, their little headlamps. I'm like, hey, this is good. I can see them. I'm okay. And then at some point I realized they don't look that far away, but I know how slow we're going. That's probably an hour and a half ahead of me. Shoot. How did they get an hour and a half ahead of me? It's okay. I can still see them. I still feel like I'm with them. It's good. Until the moment I saw their lights start to extinguish one by one. And then it gets black. I can't see their lights anymore up ahead of me. And I turn around to look behind me and I can't see the camp anymore. I'm literally on the side of the mountain, the, the tallest freestanding mountain in the entire continent of Africa. Me and my guide, Frankie, who speaks very little English. And I'm like, crap. Like I'm like point of no return. Yeah. I can't see where I came from. I have no idea where I'm going and I have no idea where my friends are. And I thought, okay, well, I'm not going home to tell my kids I didn't do this. So we're just going to keep going. I threw in some headphones and my iPod and I just started going. And honestly, I can't tell you a ton about the next probably six hours. Until the point where the guide says, hey, turn around, look. And I'm like, what? And I turn around, there's the sunrise. Now, it's really cool to see the sunrise on the side of the highest freestanding mountain in Africa. But craptastic part about that is now that I now I can see how far I have to go. And I realize I am still a really long way from the top. Like, shoot. Okay, what am I going to do? The thought that came to mind was I'm not going home and telling my girls I didn't do this. Yeah. So I keep going and I'm like, I still want my picture at the top. That's all right. Alice, you're going to go get your picture at the top. Get your picture at the top. I start going up and I start to see my friends coming back down. Mm-hmm. They'd already been to the top. Okay. Well, here the dream dies. I'm not going to get a picture at the top with my friends. All right. I'm not going home and tell my kids I didn't do it. And then I got a thought. I'm like, you know what? There are a couple of the guides on the trip that I wonder if I switched guides, if I'd have a better shot of making it. So I see my friend Belinda starting to come down and I'm like, her guides Ricardo. His English is really good. He's been really encouraging this trip. I'm going to ask her when she comes down, if I can switch guides with her so that It'll give me a better shot by having a better, by having a different coach, by having a better guide, I'm going to get to the top and I'm just going to switch. So she comes, give her a hug, Belinda, I'm going to the top. Will you please just switch guides with me? Would you mind? And she gets the biggest smile on her face and she goes, Hey, Ricardo, we're going back up again. I was like, no, no, no. Like, I just need you to switch guides. Frank will go down with you. I'll Ricardo and I'll go up. She's like, no, no, no. We're going back up again. I'm like, Linda, like I'm going up. No, she's like, no, we're going. She had made a deal with God on her way down that if I was more than 50% of the way up, that she was going to go back up with me. Mm, True friend. It was empathy personified. Yeah. 
So Belinda and I went back up. The only pictures you'll see of me and Kilimanjaro are me by myself and pictures of me and Belinda. That mean more to me than a picture of 14 of us would have meant. Yeah. I didn't see it at the time. And even immediately afterwards, the, the shame and the judgment I put on myself, like, oh my gosh, Alice, you couldn't even do that by yourself. Like, I can't believe you couldn't make it on time. I can't believe it. And to realize like how beautiful those pictures are and what a beautiful friend she was to say, Hey, let's go do this together. Mm. You don't have to do this by yourself and you don't have to like have so much pride, you know, of like needing to do it yourself. Sometimes you just need that friend. Sometimes you need that different coach. Sometimes you need a different guide. And she knew it wasn't going to be easy for her, but she was willing to do it. For yeah. You. Yeah. So talk about the strength of that relationship now. Yeah. That's so beautiful. It is. So you came home. Mm -hmm. And how are your daughter's expressions when you came home from that? Here's the cool thing. Even if I hadn't made it and I'd given it everything I had had, I'm fully convinced it would have been the same reaction. Oh my gosh, my mom's badass. She totally tried, (laughs) right? And- Oh my gosh, my mom's badass. She totally climbed Kilimanjaro. Like the pride that they had over all of that, even to now of like, oh yeah, well, that's what moms do. Like, (laughs) no moms just climbed Kilimanjaro. Like that's their normal. So if that's their normal, what are the things that they're going to go do with their lives? So it's funny enough, like as we're talking right now, our 17 year old is in Nepal and India guiding a group of middle school students and trekking in Nepal and like doing like adventure stuff in Nepal oh, and India. Cool. Yes. And so much like the things that we do allow them to dream, allow yes. them to see like, oh, those are, are they risky? Well, yeah, but so is getting in my car today and driving to school for pickup. Yeah. Or yeah. going to dinner with my husband and potentially choking on a piece of steak. Like yeah. it's all dangerous. It all has an element of risk, but are we, what does it look like to fully live? Yeah. Instead of being afraid of all of the things that could happen. Right. Right. It goes back to the stories of when you were even talking about, um, how your daughter took a nap in the hotel room and you let her come find you guys. And then you, the other one went to Tony Robbins by herself. Like these are like I was bawling, laughing, bawling. I'm like, it takes a lot for me to get into a book like that. And I was like, I'm sharing this with everybody. She has to come on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah. We're big proponents of, you know, doing things that are just outside, just outside of our comfort zone. We want them to see us living outside of our comfort zone so that they can take steps outside of their comfort zone, whatever that might be. Right taking a step outside of a comfort zone doesn't have to be getting on a plane, traveling to a new country outside of a comfort zone looks like when you go to a restaurant and they've never ordered food for themselves because we order for them. Yeah. What if they, what if it's like, Hey, you're going to, I'm going to order the meal, but you're going to order your drink Mm -hmm. and you're going to say, please. And thank you. Yeah. The waiter or waitress, or you're going to look them in the eye when you talk to them. Yeah. Does that feel uncomfortable? Yeah, it does. Okay. Well, why don't we try it? Mm. How did right. you feel after? Yeah. And how did you feel? Like, what do you, yeah. how do you think the other person felt when you did that? Right. Yeah. 
did it feel when you, what's the, what's the server's name? Do you know the server's name? Can you call her, you know, Miss Susie and say, please. And thank you. How do you think that made her feel today? Mm -hmm. These are outside of the comfort zone conversations that we can be having every single day with our kids. Yeah. And with ourselves, man, for sure. For sure. For sure. I love it. And it's just sending, or it's like setting a, it's like this standard of always, not always, but growth and like yeah. reaching towards more. Don't be stagnant. Keep learning about yourself. How can you bless other people throughout your day? And how does it also feel to be blessed and do that for others and show by example? I think that's the biggest part, especially in parenting is showing by example. If you're going to argue about the plates in the sink, are you putting your plates in the sink? You know, it just is so simple, but at the same point, I think we forget some of that sometimes. Always. Yeah, for sure. So the whole book, the magic mom magic is an acronym for model, affirm, grace, inquire, and coach. So the modeling that we've been talking about, so important, affirm, like how are we affirming ourselves with the words that we even think about ourselves, right? Like we've got the little voices and the soundtracks that play all day. Like if we talk to our kids, the way that we talk to ourselves, like we would never do that. We would never talk to another person the way that we talk to ourselves. So learning how to like change our own programming and our own language and the communities that we're in, our communities affirm things about us and the things and things about our children. So what are our chosen communities that we're involved in that affirm the values that we want to be living. And, you know, what does grace look like for ourselves? We're really good with giving grace to our kids. We're good at that. But what does grace look like for ourselves? Like, do we beat ourselves up? And like, are we delaying that doctor's appointment that takes care of our, you know, ourselves or like the massage or going to the chiropractor or taking vitamins or going on a walk? Those are all forms of grace and self-compassion and inquiry. Like what kinds of questions are we asking? Like we grow through the questions that we ask, not knowing the answers. Like what I love about parenting is that parenting isn't about knowing the answers. It's about knowing how to ask better questions. Yeah. That's good. The C is, is coach. Like I really believe that for 18 years, we have our kids the better job we do at, at being their best coach, that when they leave home, we'll, we'll get the honor of being the consultant. Yeah. They will call us to ask us, you know, hey, mom, what do you think? I've got these decisions to make. Now they get to make the decision because now they're in full control of their <laughs> life. But if we do a good job as coach, they'll want to know what we think. Those lines of communication that always open, they mm-hmm. feel comfortable no judgment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's really like the test of, you know, Hey, how do we do? Like we, so we've got one, our, our daughters are 19, 17, 13, and 10. So our 19 year old is living in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, um, it's so fun. She calls me like, I know when she's done with her day. Cause like five 30, like my phone will ring (laughs) and she'll want to tell me about her day. And you know, like, tell me about what's going on. And what a joy, like to launch your kids into the world. And like, yeah, we did really, we did really well. Yeah. And I didn't sacrifice myself. 
in the process. Right. I actually lived a, I'm living a full life right now and she's still watching it. Yes. yes. And you guys did a big thing. You moved from Baltimore. I mean, can you dig into that a little bit? What yeah. made you? Yeah. So when, you know, 2018 kind of hit this wall and it opened up a ton of conversations when my husband was like, are you sick of the marriage uh, of the work of the city? I was like, yes, all of it. <laughs> asked, that got us into asking different questions. Like, okay, if we could design the life that we really wanted to, to live, what would it look like? And part of that for me was like, I've always wanted to live in a warm climate. I grew up in Baltimore. We met in college in Chicago. My husband's from Montana. And I'm like, but I'm a warm weather girl. I've always wanted to live in warm weather. Like if I could live anywhere, like I would, I would want to live in the South somewhere. And we wanted to explore different schooling for our kids. So there was a particular school called the Acton Academy that we really just loved. I actually got franchise rights to open an Acton Academy in Baltimore. And the closer I got to opening the school, the more I was like, oh my gosh, Alice, you're like planting yourself more in a city that you don't actually want to live in long-term. Why yeah. are you doing I was doing it because I thought I should do it. It felt like the right thing, right? Like by other people's standards, like, and I was embarrassed. I was like, but is this feel like, is this failure if we leave or if I, you know, am, am changing the structure of our real estate business or I was like, wait, but what does it look like to be authentic to, to my values and what I want for my own life? And so through conversations with my husband, we're kind of like, you know what, what if we try moving to Austin? So as a family, we decided, you know what? we're going to take this on as a family project. We're going to go get an apartment in Austin. We're going to enroll in the Acton Academy, which started in Austin. We're going to enroll in the school there and we're going to see what happens. And I came to the decision of, you know what? I'd rather us try this move and it go up in flames and we have to come back to Baltimore and say, we tried it. Then never make that risk at all. Mm. That's and then great. when, when I came to that place, it was like, okay, what's the worst that could happen? We move back. Right. Okay. So that's where it came from. And we went to Austin and I had a friend, I had a friend that said, what if you allowed it to be better than you ever imagined? Oh, that's good. And that's exactly what happened. If you ask any of the six of us in our family right now, you know, how was the move to Austin? We're like, it's freakish. It was freakishly hard. And we wish we had done it sooner. Oh, I love that. And the more people that I tell the story to, the more people are like, dang, that took a lot of courage. Could you help me do that too? Yeah. Cause we, we all need to he like that light to like, when we shine our light, we give other people permission to do the same. Yeah. Right. So as I've started to share this story, people are like, wait, if you could do it, does that mean I could do it too? Right. So what are the things in your life, you know, Hey, listener, what are the things in, in your life right now that if you take the, if you just act on that, on the, on the courage that I know is in you to go do that thing that you've been thinking about, will give somebody else permission. Like somebody right. else is waiting for you to go do that scary thing so that they can do it too. Right. That's so good. That's so good. It is. So not only do we have that responsibility to live authentically to ourselves, but that, that authenticity will, it's contagious. Just like fear is contagious. The courage is contagious. The authenticity is, is contagious. Well, and it's just breaking those stereotypes that you have to follow this certain guideline. Exactly. You got to go to school, then you get married, then you have kids, and then you 
do that. And that's just not everybody's story. And it's not, some people will do that, but it's, it's, are you, I love how you say that. Are you living authentically to yourself and what is making you happy? And sometimes that changes throughout our life. Sometimes you move to Austin and you're like, this is great. And you're there for a few years. And then you're like, I'm ready. Let's go to Hawaii. Like I'm done here, you know? And there you're, it's, we just have such a fear of, I think like commitment in a way, but at the same point, you have a fear of failure because you're like, if I do that and I fail, then I have to start. And it's like, no, you just, you get to learn so much and it's not failing. Like somebody said that to me and I was like, I don't feel like I've ever failed in my life. Cause you like, learn. I've never you failed. Learn. Yeah. And I love how you, I'm going to read this because I think it's so, so your daughter, right. She did the, the middle school election, right. Yeah. And she, and I loved how you explained like just the marketing and the funny posters she did. And so you, good. yes. And you came home and you thought she was kidding with you that she didn't win at first. Yeah. And so you guys shared a moment and she said, mom, I'm really sad and disappointed, but it's okay. Failure is a part of my story and it'll be in my book one day. This is all need. This all needed to happen, so I have a story to tell others. Yeah, yeah. So if we reframe that for our kids to where they're not afraid of it, that they're like, "Oh, this is a piece of the puzzle that's leading me somewhere else." They'll go try new things. But if we continue to make it so that failure is this red pen, like I, when I think failure and I think school, like I think like red pen. Yeah. Like, it is this F. evil thing, right? F. Like you Smart don't want, yeah. you yeah. don't want the X. So that like, I realized how much that prevented me from trying anything when I was growing up because I didn't want the red pen. And it's like, oh my gosh, like what are all the things that I missed out on? Because I was afraid of failing. Right. But we can afraid change of- that culture in our own house and our own households and our families. I love that. And just even her, like hearing that you can just tell those are words that you've said and you've lived and you've talked, you know, when you talk about yourself, you can tell the words and the, how you use so much of it for yourself. And that's just such a beautiful thing to hear modeled back to you. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when my toddler's saying swear words back at me, you know? <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> no, we all have those moments. No, that we're- there's, there's good ones too, but yeah, <laughs> it is good when you hear your kids repeat some of those yes. things back. Like I remember with my 16 year old son, he was, he was struggling in, um, a sport. He plays sports all the time. And, you know, I would just tell him like, don't ever stop learning. The minute that you think you figured it all out, you don't. I said, there are Olympic athletes still training. They're the best of the best athletes and they're still learning new styles. They're still learning new things. They're still training hard every day. They're making changes all the time. And I go, so you don't have it figured out, especially at like 10 or 11, you know, you're always, always be coachable. Listen to what somebody has to share. You might already know some of it, but there might be one thing that helps you. And he was in, we were in the car and I was bringing him and his friends home. And one of the kids was like, why do you know how to do that? And this and that. And all of a sudden he started giving that speech to the kid, you know, and he's (laughs) like, 
even Olympic athletes are always still trying to get out. I'm trying because you can't, you can't let them know that you're listening. Right. Like you have to act like you are just cool. You're like, whatever. And so I'm listening so, to it. And in my head, I'm going, heck yes, man. Like you heard me, yes. you heard me and you're preaching. It was like, exactly. preach brother. And the kid was like, well, yeah. And he's like, so even if we might know some, we still don't know. We're always going to keep getting better, you know, and it was just beautiful to hear. And it's, it is, it's such a great thing when you hear that modeled back. Like, so let's, plus, let's take that and plus one it, right? So yes. you, you share this story with your son, you heard him repeat it. So my challenge to moms out there right now listening is who's coaching you mom. Yeah. Because the bigger we want our lives to be, in the same way, like an Olympic athlete, they've got multiple coaches for like, you, you, you have a, you know, a golf player, like they've got a different coach for different types of swings. Yeah. Nutrition, right. they, everything. Yeah. Everything. Right. So for us, so as the entrepreneurial mom, who's your coach, who's your coach in nutrition, who's your coach in parenting, who's your coach with finances. Are you showing your own children that you're coachable? that you have coaches in different areas and that you haven't stopped growing. That's good. We do stop investing in ourselves for yeah, sure. Cause we, we switch it to like, Oh, well, I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the money. I'm going to go in summer camp for my kid, a tutor for my kid, a, this for my kid, a, this for, okay. Well, what about us? Right. Yeah. Take the girl's trip. Yeah. Take the girl's trip. We send them to summer camp. Right. I'm going right. to summer camp too. Right. Heck like yeah. it's yeah. not any less valid. Or if I, you know, pay for them to have, um, you know, a coach or a tutor in a certain area. Okay. What's, do I want to take piano lessons? Right. What, what do you want to do? What's the hobby that you want to go pursue? It's not any less valid at 40 than it is yeah. for our kids at six and seven. Right. My I husband just took up piano again and is playing around that, like playing all the time when he's home. And I'm like, I love that our kids are watching him right. play the piano. Some... Yes. That's beautiful. So what are we doing? Like that's, that's my challenge to you right now is to, to really take an introspective look at what are they seeing us do? Yeah. And what did you decide? So you kind of dig into it in your book and I, and I love this. I even started researching if Minnesota had an act in school, but that Socratic learning, like what made you, have you always done that? What? Socratic learning, I think is just, Oh my gosh. It's, it's so rich in not needing to know the answers, but learning how to ask questions. So my, um, so the Act Academy is Socratically based. So it's actually a fireable offense for a guide to answer a question. They can ask questions, but not give answers. So my, so she was five at the time, my youngest daughter, and she went in and they told us a story after that she asked what time it was. Okay. Who does not want to give a cute five-year-old girl the answer to, you know, what time is it? It seems really harmless, right? To give, to get like, well, it's, you know, 845. Um, instead, the guide said, hey, Brielle, have you checked your Chromebook? So now she knows where to go find the answer. Right. So we're not handing them the answers, but we're teaching them how to think. When Problem we solved. launch our kids into the world, we're not going to be with them when they have to make the hard decisions. So I want to be involved in helping them learn how to think, not what to think. Because that's where we get into trouble. It's like, you know, well, I want you to vote the way that I do. I want you to believe the way that I believe. I went, no, no, no. 
know, but if I teach them how to think, I'm not worried when they leave home because I know they're going to make great decisions because they know how to think. So the Socratic method is all about teaching them how to think. And my husband was a philosophy major, so he was naturally like geared towards that. I was not a philosophy major, but the more I got into coaching and learned um, from my own coaches, when they would ask me powerful questions and I would just sit there in silence, I'm like, dang, that was a good question. And they weren't asking me because they knew the answer. Mm -hmm. They were asking me as a way to hold up a mirror to myself so that I could see what was actually right there. And that's when I realized, oh my gosh, questions are really powerful. Mm-hmm. And you don't ask questions that you know the answers to. That's not what it's about. Yeah. And are you, you ask- and are you giving an answer you think they want to hear? Or are you giving like an authentic, true, real answer of your thoughts and what, how you really feel? Or what, and what happens when we get out of judgment and get into curiosity instead? Because the number of times their kids will come home and they'll say something and it's like, oh, I know the answer. Instead, I force myself to ask three questions before I'll make a statement. Not because I, now I have to fight with myself (laughs) because I want to give the answer. (laughs) I know the answer. I want to give the answer. But when I go into curiosity and I start asking questions, nine out of 10 times, it goes in a different direction. And I never would have known how my daughter was thinking Mm. or I'm usually like really impressed, like, dang, like she had a better answer than I did, Just but like, I'm never going to admit it. <laughs> Can I take your answer actually? So well, thanks. Just <laughs> teaches them how to be entrepreneurs. And I love that as an entrepreneur. And I yeah. love that you went to five below and there was that little sign and it said, <laughs> what was it? Life is short. Life by is the short by the dress. And she was like, why wouldn't you just own the company that makes the dress? dress, Then you can have both. (laughs) And she kept walking and I'm like, oh my gosh, how did she, like, how did her brain go there? Right. Right. Cause she's, she's a hundred percent right. If you own the company that makes the dress. Dang, why not have it all? You get all the dresses. And it made me think when I was a little girl, my mom, she was a bartender. And so she always had the big cups of change and the dollar bills. And I was like, my mom is so rich. And we went to the bank one time and she was like, well, maybe one day, like you can work in the bank system. And I was like, I'm going to own the bank. And I, when I read that, I was like, yes, girl, you own that company. And as moms, like, what are, what are, what are, how are we responding in the moments that they have those thoughts? Like, are we going into realism and like, oh, honey, like. That's not for people like us. It's not for families like us. That's like, we try to protect them with the, you know, are we protecting them with something or are we asking more questions to get into curiosity around what about, what about that appeals to you? What would happen? What would it take to own a bank? Who do you know that owns a bank? Yeah, that's good. Where are we, where are we, where are we directing those conversations to help them think bigger, to help them explore new worlds and new possibilities? Like, My big thing with moms, especially is just, Hey, we can go a hundred different ways and they're all valid, Mm -hmm. but I want you to know why you're choosing what you're choosing, right? If you're going to work in the business, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to, 
have this job, great. Know why you're doing it. If you're in this relationship, know why you're in it. If you're going to, if, if, if your kid's going to college, I'm totally cool. If my kids go to college, I want them to know why they're going, but not going because everybody else is doing it. And that's what they think they're supposed to do. Mm. I have advanced degrees. My husband has advanced degrees. We never, we've got 529 plans. There's money for college. And our older two kids are already like, no, we've got other plans. Like, and we're like, man, we never thought we'd be the parents that had kids that didn't go to college right after high school, but they have a really clear path and they know why they're doing the things that they're doing. And I wasn't like that at 18. I went to college because that's what everybody did. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? So that sleepwalking starts early. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it does. So So wait up. Right. When you, I just, I want to go back to Mount Kilimanjaro quick. When you got back from that trip and for you personally, like what changed in yourself and in your life after that? Mm. Like, did anything change in yourself or was it more of a, just a like, you know, an accomplishment or was. It was a really cool accomplishment that when I had hard days and when I still have hard days, I think back to that moment and I'm like, Alice, you flipping climbed a mountain. You can do this too. Right. Mm. So it's anchor in the immediate days after it, like you go do something really big, you come back down. It's like, you know, mountaintop experience literally. And you come back down and most of life is, is lived in the Valley. Yeah. I'd love to be able to say like something big changed. Um, nothing big changed right after, or in the days that followed. And in fact, it was probably more of a discontent. It was like a restlessness of, okay, now what? Yeah. So the importance of like setting new goals and casting more vision. Cause anytime we feel that like we're down and we're, um, just in a stuck place, it means we're uninspired. We don't have anything ahead of us that we're looking towards. So How do you find your inspiration? What are things that you do to, to regain that? The biggest thing that's helped me with that is coaching is having a coach because we can't see our perspective on ourselves is so limited. So I'd say number one, a coach and number two community, the people around us. So when we talk about even um, inquiry and the, the power of asking questions, like we usually want to ask like, well, why, or well, how, how do I fix this? How do I do this better? How can I, and the better question to ask, I think is the highest level of question to ask is who, who can help me see this from a different perspective? Who's been to the places that I want to go that I can talk to, who can introduce me to somebody who has the who's in our lives are so valuable. And I don't think we take um, I don't think we give enough credit to the who's in our life that it's the, it's the seven degrees of separation, right? Like we're, we're, we're connected in such powerful ways that we don't even realize, especially with social media now, like we're so connected that the peep, the person that we need is actually so much closer to us than we realize, but we haven't asked the right question to get into that community or to get that right coach to get that right environment. So when I'm feeling uninspired, my tendency is to want to crawl into bed, mm-hmm. pull the covers over my head, 
um, have a drink, right? Dissociate from reality. Go back into sleepwalking. Because it's comfortable. Nobody will know. Yeah. Nobody will know. And I've decided I don't want to live a life like that. I want the fulfilled life. I want the life that my kids will look at and I'll be proud of the model that I left them because then they're happy and they're living really full and full lives. Yeah. Um. So what is something you do daily in order to kind of get out of those slums in a way? Like, is there something that you have like non-negotiables for yourself on your daily walk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're, I, I think this is part of the exploration. Like when we, when we want to live a life that we love and we want to design that life, we, we, we all like the idea of the design, but before the design phase comes the discovery phase. How do we, you know, what's going on inside? What, how am I wired? What are the things that light me up? And, um, what are the, what are the habits and the rituals? So for me, it's journaling, just putting some thoughts to paper and, not journaling in the sense of, I think, I think when we think journaling, it's like, oh, coffee and she writes for three hours. No, I answer three questions. Yeah. What I did, what I thought, what I felt because it just grounds me. Okay. What did I do yesterday? What did I think about what I did and what did I feel about it? Because it, it reorients, reorients me. It connects me. It grounds me. Um, back to myself. So I find that, and it doesn't have to take more than five minutes. So when I say journaling, I think sometimes we make it like this, like, Ooh, you know, really ethereal, whatever. And some days, you know, will it take me down a longer path? Yeah. But most days, no. Yeah. You know, some days it's just going out in my backyard and like barefoot in the, in, in the backyard, like just being a part of nature and breathing. I didn't realize how little I actually breathe until I slowed down my life. Like my breathing was so shallow and like yeah. there are whole pieces that you can take on breath work, right? Mm-hmm. You can change yeah. your physiology just by breathing. I did a meditation last week and I came out of it and I was like shocked. I was like, I don't even know if I, cause you slow your heart rate down so much yeah you forget that like, I, I I don't know who I was talking to, but I was like, I don't even know if I I was breathing. Like, I'm pretty sure like I was going so long in between breath, but it's so, because you've slowed everything so down and it was such a great feeling of like, Oh, like you get your blood pressure down. You just stop the thoughts and you're like, so the back of my head hurt so bad. because it was just so heavy in the, you know, on the floor. And, but it was like, I came out of that and it was such a good feeling. And I was like, this is, I, you don't realize how fast you're going No, you because don't. you're so used to it until you slow down. And I came out of that and I just felt like I was walking on air and I was talking slower and I was listening better. And I was just enjoying for some reason, you just looked outside and it was better. Everything was yeah. just better. <laughs> All the things you miss because yeah. you're going so fast. And I think there's this fear for women around but if I slow down, I don't know what I'm going to see. And I don't know if I'm going to like it. Yeah. And that just happened to me. I mean, I was go, 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 you know, the real estate market, it was hot. You didn't even eat dinner with your family because you had to go and show that house because it would be gone within an hour. 
And when the market kind of slowed down here this fall, I was like, hi, family. <laughs> I'm Allie. Do you, mom, do you remember me? Like, yeah. I didn't know what to do. I was pacing my house. So I had to get into that breath work. So this book magically happened, you know, because I believe in that intuitive yeah. stuff. It came to me and I was like, wow, I needed you. <laughs> Well, perfect timing. I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidence. I've really enjoyed hearing your, your outlooks and your just personal experience showing or sharing your personal experiences just with your family and just even as a mom and as a woman in general too, like, I think you can just hit so many aspects and so many different types of lifestyles and people. And even though we're all on such different paths, it's so relatable yes. yeah. in every way. It is. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So how Thank can you. people find you? So the best way is my website, alicedaily.com. And I've got lots of ways to misspell it. So it's A-L-Y-C-E-D-A-I-L-E-Y. So alicedaily.com. Um, Instagram is also great. Um, there's also a Facebook uh, Magic Mom community. Uh, and we've got lots of exciting things going on because we want to keep continuing this conversation. So we've got uh, workshops and masterminds and opportunities to just for entrepreneurial moms to connect with one another and to build authentic lives and um, and to raise kids that in a way that they will be happy and they'll be happy because you are. Yeah. And how to make choices and how to accept whatever comes and problem solve, learn how to problem solve it for yourself. If we, if we learn it. how to make decisions well, and we teach our kids to make decisions well, we won't worry about them when they're, when they're not with us. Yeah. And you get to have fun and live your life still and, and share that experience with your kids. You don't have to be like this parent role. Like you can sit beside them and have fun and adventure too. And I love that. It's yeah. So great. Yeah. And I love how just before we take off, how you explain and you can go into more depth because you'll say it better than me, but how, even if you don't have kids in the home anymore, mm -hmm. you can still use these acronyms magic and they're, they're always with you. So absolutely absolutely well thank you so much yes. for coming on I'm like just over here like in awe like <laughs> oh I love it you just your energy you guys she's just beautiful she too is. inside and out she's just got the best energy this was such a fun interview we haven't done one in a little bit just because life has kind of been crazy for us both so this was such a perfect uh was very much needed. So I'm grateful the universe sent you to us. It's been awesome. Oh, well, I am looking forward to continuing this conversation online, offline with you ladies, because you guys are amazing. I love what you guys are bringing into the world and just inspiring, uh, just creating a safe place for us to have these conversations because it's so needed. It is. It is. Mm -hmm. And it feels so good to find like-minded and other people and just hearing even our listeners find their voice. Yes. It is one of the most, I like, love those messages and just seeing yeah. them online and yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, yeah. So I would encourage if you, if you haven't picked up a copy of the book, please go pick up a copy of the magic mom and review it on Amazon and shoot me thoughts. Like as you read the book, please like shoot, shoot me thoughts on, you know, kind of what resonated so that we can like together, we can all co-create these conversations and, and help moms and help 
raise this next generation in a really powerful way. Yes. Twisted sisters and magic moms. I like it. <laughs> Let's Thanks, do it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Samantha and Allie are signing off. Thank you guys. Thank you for listening to the Twisted Sisters podcast. We'll now leave you with a little bit of wisdom from Allie and Samantha. Imperfection is beauty. Madness is genius. And it's better to be absolutely ridiculous than absolutely boring. Twisted Twisted sisters. sisters. We're all a little twisted.